Yo, as you can see, it's driving bias back at you again. The so, Sports Bag Bros podcast is back at you for episode number 31. So if you've missed the previous 30 episodes, that's your problem and your fault. And you need to check them out and give us some comments and checks and thumbs and all the other things that come along with it. We could use the help on the algorithm. And as you know, if you've been here before, we get straight to the point. We don't go on a long diatribe trying to keep you here, get time on this algorithm or whatnot. We're talking about today's sports and sports in general. And today is no different. All you do know about what happened with LeBron James' son, Little Bronny. But before we even get to that, there's a liar in our midst. And that liar happens to be during fight week. Nothing <clears throat> other than Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya, the 1996, 1992 gold medalist for the United States. Former champion of the world. Hall of Famer. Promoter, successful everywhere else. He decides to tell us a story that led all the way up to now, telling us how his relationship was with his mom, how great it was. All of these years, we thought his father was the problem. Bias. It's not that way. Well, let me set it up for you since I was the one that watched it. So I started watching it, and it was good. It it pulls at your, your heartstrings. He, um, he was forced, kind of forced into it. Uh, there, there'd be a pounding at the door, and he said, that was my wake-up call to go run at 4 a.m. And he's talking about uh, how dangerous it was in East L.A., and people are still up partying and having a good time, and he's running by. He's afraid somebody's going to snatch him up or punch him in the face or do whatever. And whenever he got home, he would hear his quote, quote, an angelic voice, and it was his mom singing in the kitchen. So, like I said, it 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 pulls at your heartstrings. And then he started talking about when he had his first fights, he won his first fight. His uncle gave him 50 cents <clears throat> and he was so happy. He's like, I can go buy whatever I want now. You know, he, he's going back to the six, seven year old Oscar and it really endears you to him. And then he drops the bomb. My mom telling me to win the gold medal for her is a lie. Come on, man. And the whole show takes a turn from that point on. I'm like, see, this is why I didn't like him. And now I feel justified for not liking him. I used to like him when he first came up. But then for reasons I won't go into right now, I stopped liking him. And I'm like, see, that's why I stopped liking your ass. Fucking liar. And then <laughs> he started trashing his mom, whining about how she used to abuse him. Dude. You're Mexican. That's what happens in Mexican families. You know, he was the dumbass who ran into the street without looking and almost got hit by a car. But he wants to whine that his mom smacked him for it. Well, you should have been looking both ways. I'm pretty sure they told you that. They told me that. And you get smacked when you're doing things you're not supposed to do. You know, I have a cousin. He was playing on the pole for the clothesline. And his dad said, hey, get down from there. You're going to fall. And he kept playing. He fell, hit his head, and what did his dad say? See what happens? I told you, dumbass. I mean, that's that's life in the Mexican family. You got to <laughs> deal with it. You, you deal with it, you get stronger. You learn. He, he wasn't climbing on that pole no more. Yeah, he had a bump on his head, but, hey, you learn the hard way. I, I'm sorry, man. To me, he was trying to get empathy for everything he's going through, but you're going to trash your mom, your Man. deceased mother, while doing it? 
You get no empathy from me, man. No, it doesn't get lower than that. It doesn't get lower than that, in my opinion, because when you start talking about your mom, your deceased mom, after all of these years, you tied it together as this was part of your success story. And in a way, it was because regardless of how she ended up treating him, he used that as motivation to get the gold medal to ultimately become a champion and now a Hall of Famer. You know, and I, and I read some things about it. You saw it. I've read <clears> some <throat> things about it. So they were talking about it was a complex, complicated relationship. I mean, I can understand a mom running out in the street if a kid almost got hit by a car. That means almost killed. And still being so upset to win when she finally gets you, she's pissed off and she's probably going to do what the car might have done to you. And you know what I mean? I can understand that. But I, I read also that he said he hated the fact that she hit him. Well, you're going to get hit for something like that. I don't know too many people who aren't going to get hit. He wanted to get hugged, he said, when she yeah. came about. And he was thought, you know, oh, the car almost hit me. I'm crying about it. She's going to come give me a hug. She didn't. She said he said she beat him so much he was numb to it. And then he moves on from there, talks about what she had done, um, you know, the singing part of it, you know, you mentioned, you know, she has such an angelic voice. And I read the story of how when his father met his mom, his mom kind of left uh, Mexico when she was 14 years old and how she had this beautiful voice and wanted to be a singer. And her husband said, hey, if that's what you want to do until it hurts, you can be a singer. But if you don't make it, you know, let's get married. And ultimately she didn't make it and she changed her mind or whatever. They ended up getting married, had their three sons which Oscar is one of them. And, you know, and it, she said he makes it seem as though the animosity and the abuse was directed towards him and not his brothers. He made it seem as if she just beat him for no reason or even some reasons in her opinion. He just can't see any justification in it. And he believes it was only him. Yeah, his brother didn't talk about it. But here's the thing. It seems like he, he was so devastated. Was he questioning? Does mom love him? I don't know. She skipped a chemo session to go yeah. watch him fight. That's the love and support, jackass. You know, you would think a, a kid, if he's going through that, probably wouldn't understand. But after all of these years have passed and the success he's had, a lot of it based on being driven by what had happened in his childhood. At the time, <clears> I'm thinking it's his father. You know, before, remember the story was, you know, I always tried to impress my father. All I needed him to tell me was that I was good or that he loved me. He never did. And then he finally told him, he told him something to that effect after the Trinidad fight, his loss. Like, hey, you know, you are that great after all, or you are a good fighter. And that was more gratifying than anything else. And it was always the father who seemed to have been the antagonist, not the mom. And now you throw your mom under the bus. I mean, God, you know, it, something tells me even if some of this is true, you still don't throw your mom under the freaking bus, man. Especially, you know, when I think about a Mexican family, I, you know, these are the tightest families you come across, in my opinion, you know, Latino, Hispanics, tight family. You know, they may have whatever issues that other families have, but when it comes down to it, nothing breaks that family bond. And I don't remember hearing or seeing too much of a Mexican family bond being broken. And he did exactly that. And he did it to his matriarch, his mom. Yeah, it, it's not a good look. It's actually pretty sad. Um, and the whole the whole series takes a turn for the worse. I mean, I I give him credit for putting himself out there, but to me, he's trying to get empathy. Um, you don't get empathy when you have kids with three different women within a, a two year, three years. Come on, man. 
time span. You don't get empathy when your kids don't really know you until they're 18, 19, 20 years old. I mean, it is great that they're getting to know him now. He gave one of his sons a job and he's there now. He wants to be there now. That's great. But you don't get no empathy for being absent. That's true. You know, and as far as putting himself out there, come on, he's been in the public light for a long time. He's put himself out there before. Well, I'm, I mean, we don't as far know about as like, yet for no reason, he's been out I there. I mean, I mean, as far <laughs> as him making portraying himself as vulnerable, you know, putting himself out yeah, there, I, yeah, and revealing his, his revealing himself. Fighters aren't expected to be vulnerable. They aren't expected to seem vulnerable. They're supposed to be superheroes. And when you're a great fighter, because that's what he was. Whether you like this guy or not, he was a great fighter. And he was legitimately a Hall of Famer, one of the best resumes in the past 25 years. And that kind of includes Floyd's resume as well. You know, he, Floyd fought in an older Oscar and had problems. Still won the fight, moved up to 154 to do it. But Oscar as a whole, from the time he had left the Olympics as a 130-pounder as the pro and going up to 154, winning the way he did, until his very last fight, losing to Manny Pacquiao, Always been a great name in boxing. Always put out an excellent effort when he could. Well, the Felix Darren fight not included, but you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. So, but I just don't see any any positive. Even just selling books or getting viewership, I don't see anything that can come from this that's going to benefit his image because this Golden Boy image is tarnished when you can go that hard at your mom when everyone knows how the story went. In terms of the beginning, she died. That's it. We can't take that away. She died from cancer. That's it. We can't take that away. So anything you've done and said now, it doesn't give you a good look at all. There is no taking this back. There's no putting the genie back into the bottle. Well, it could be he doesn't want to be the golden boy. You mentioned it's tarnished. Yeah, it's definitely tarnished. Yeah. So is he trying to destroy the golden boy image himself? You know, only only his fans can can say that. Um, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be guys out there who think I'm full of crap or whatever, but it's not me saying it. He said it about his mom. Yeah. So don't shoot the messenger. I mean, don't don't hate on me because I don't respect it. But whatever. You know, if you want to come at me, come at me. I'm coming back though. Oh, exactly. And if you have facts, you hey, you got facts to run with. You can run with them. But you know. What could have gotten him to this point? You know, boxing is a traumatic sport. We understand that. And even now, scientifically, we know all about CTE, not only in football, but anything that has a concussive impact, which boxing does have during training, during sparring, obviously during the actual competitions, the trauma continues. And these fighters, you know, they, they have their dementia. They have other issues neurologically after they retire. Maybe this is the beginning of that kind of thing. You know, you go into a dark place and whether you're missing the crowd or this neurological issue, if it exists, is an issue. I mean, this might be the impetus of it. I mean, this might be the beginning of what's going on with him. I mean, if he had his problems, the cocaine issues, the drinking issues, you know, all of the other issues, he's gone to rehab several times. And here we are now with him. I hope he doesn't have brain damage, CTE, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, he's he's still well-spoken. He seems to have all of his facu mm -hmm. faculties. But you can't look inside of a man's brain. You, you don't know what's going on. So who who knows? He, he might be onto something. But mm -hmm. he he's, he doesn't seem to be affected. You know, at least the way he speaks, um, how he expresses himself verbally. He, you know, he's he's still the same guy. 
I mean, even just staying on those same lines, you know, it isn't necessarily outward, at least at the beginning or even in the middle. It may not be an outward thing because we can look at some people from the past. Junior Seau always came across as a great guy. And people who have known him, you know, they said he came across as a great guy. They didn't know whether something was going on in his life. And then we find out, well, what had gone on in his life. He had CTE. He ended up committing suicide. And, you know, he's not the only one to do something like that. There's been other people out there who, you know, Dave Dewerson was another mm -hmm. one who had his issues. I don't know how his personal life was once he was done with football, how he communicated with people, or could they just see him descending? I don't know. But, you know, some of these things you can still keep a happy face on during the public meetings. And maybe these issues that happen with the wives and ex-wives and girlfriends and ex-girlfriends, maybe they got to see the worst of them. Yeah, you're right. We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Uh, again, I, I hope he 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 doesn't have yeah. any brain damage, and he's not showing any. But mm -hmm. you know, time remains to be. I mean, it still remains to be seen. Yep, and hopefully Oscar gets his act together in terms of his <clears throat> personal life. I mean, this is already out there, so you cannot put the genie back into the bottle. So we'll find out. You know, as time goes on, it seems like he wants to be an open book now. So I don't think that's a book that can close. So he'll have to answer questions because. You and I aren't the only ones that's going to talk about this. They're in boxing groups, especially the people I'm, who don't like him, who don't follow him. They're going to be the ones to really put the pressure on it, just ridiculing him, even though this isn't something. If it is this serious, that needs ridicule. I'm pretty sure it was therapeutic for him making this series, doing it, going through it, and saying, getting all of that off of his chest. I just can't respect him saying what he did to his, his mom, mom. Man. if you if you lived with that life for this long just just go with it man that's it man that's it i i, I don't see the the positive that comes out of it well hopefully you know he, he gets i mean i'm sure she wanted him to win the gold medal why wouldn't she everybody right. benefited i mean you know not just financially but i mean just legacy wise just your son being able to do it and being there for him the exhilaration that a family would feel for something that huge that you've worked so long to get to and it turned out to be true and then as a pro you turn out to be the real deal as well even all the way to the hall of fame you know hopefully things work out for him the way he feels even getting this little bit out kind of puts somewhat of a lid or mm -hmm. makes gives him some type of comfort knowing that you know what people do know what the truth now if it is a lie well i don't have to live with this lie anymore and then he can move on but yeah that's that's oscar and that's what we're bringing to you right now Oh, yeah, he probably has those podcasts. He probably felt the weight of the world and he got some of it off, I'm sure. So I'm um, good luck to him, man. Yeah, and good luck to him because I know a fighter out there since we're on the subject of boxing who doesn't need much luck. And that's the new <laughs> way. Oh my god, unbelievable. Oscar needs the help right now. A new way doesn't need help. The new super bantamweight champion of the world took on Stephen Fulton. Early this morning, today being Tuesday, unbelievable fight. I mean, I mean, unbelievable fight in terms of the performance of Anuay, not Stephen Fulton. Steve Fulton was supposed to have been the truth, and he is the truth, but he was the truth now as a past, you know, a past tense because Anuay is that good. See, I don't want people to take credit away from Stephen Fulton the way they would give him credit way before being undefeated, being a pure boxer, being masterful. All of these adjectives he was given before this fight, and because he was made to look so ordinary against a phenomenal force of nature in a new way, you know, and now people want to kind of take away from a new way. Now, with that being said, 
this Saturday's fight, which is the biggest fight in the past probably 10 years between Errol Spence and Bud Crawford, in my opinion, that's a fight for number two on the pound <laughs> for pound list because Anua is my number one. And there isn't anything those two can do that can change that. And if there were someone who could change it somewhat and have a real argument, it would be Bud Crawford if he wins, more so if Errol Spence, if he wins. Well, I can't agree with that. I, I do agree that Inoue is number one at this moment. He definitely staked his claim going up to his fourth weight class. And there we questioned would his power go up with him. And it obviously did. Um, as far as Fulton, it's not like he got blitzed in the first round here and the fight ended in, in 91 seconds, a la Michael Spinks. You know, at least he made it to the eighth round. He, he, so he's, he wasn't a pushover. Um, but the reason why I don't agree or I can't agree is we don't know exactly what's going to happen. What, what if Errol Spence just gets in Terrence's ass, breaks him down, takes him out in the third round. Like he just overwhelms him. That would be really impressive. By the same token, if Terrence comes out and boxes circles around him, wears him down, takes him out around eight and takes Spence out around eight or nine and just dominates. That's going to be damn impressive. You know, so I have to wait and see. Right now, yes, I go with the monster. See, he just fought this I morning. Right, I say right now with the monster and number one, regardless of what happens on Saturday, because I look at it in its entirety. You know what I mean? Because when you look at what he has done moving up in all of these weight classes, <clears> getting <throat> all of these belts, being undisputed, and the domination, utter dominance he's had along the way, and watching the way he had taken care of Fulton. Fulton su survived for eight rounds. Once he felt that power in the first round, it was a completely different outlook on this fight. His boxing skills were not working. You know why? Because everyone talks about the monster being a powerful fighter. They completely ignore or just choose to forget. His skill set is through the roof just as well, at least offensively. His jab was better than the jabber. The guy who was a bigger guy naturally and had more skills, longer arms, could not even out jab him. And when you watch the two jab, you saw the better jab came from the lighter fighter, the lower, the smaller fighter. And then the power, there was a huge difference in power. He was moving Fulton with every shot that he threw that landed on his gloves. And you can tell that Fulton didn't want to be in there, but he sucked it up. He's a Philly guy. He's tough. He tried to push through it, but there wasn't anything he can do. I think the closest round of the fight might have been the seventh round, the round before he was knocked out. And there's still an argument that he didn't win that round either. And the reason why I have a new way as number one is because he moved through the ranks and he's utterly dominated everything through the ranks. This his fourth. This is his fourth uh, title. Uh, he has multiple belts, but coming from 130, just up to 147. And if he beats Errol Spence, that's why I say he has more of a claim because he is a former 130 pounder. Yeah, I hear you there. Going through the ranks, he's now 147, and if he beats Errol, Errol Spence. A bigger fighter, he has almost a claim, but not as big a claim as I believe that Anuwe has. And in Errol Spence's case, he's been 147 and a weight bully his entire career. Yeah. He hasn't done anything but beat everybody who he's supposed to be. And guess what? Even though the odds makers say one thing, if he beats Bud, you're supposed to be the former 130-pounder. You know, all that goes out the window, even though Bud yeah. has all knockouts at 147. You know, the smaller guy is still the smaller guy. Yeah, I, I just have to reserve judgment. It's not like a monster beat the numbers number two or number three 
pound for pound fighter in the world. And that's what's going to happen Saturday night. One of them is going to win. And by most accounts, they're both in the top three. So, you know, if you're number two and you beat number three or you're number three and you beat number two, you got a strong claim for number one. I understand that dynamic, but I still go back to all of the credit that Fulton was getting before this fight and how this was going to be so much of a problem for Inoue coming up. Remember, he still moved up in weight. And we know as boxing fans and people who've been around boxing for decades, not just a couple of weeks, months, or even a few years, that it does matter moving up in weight. You know, even with these micro classes, with these hybrid classes these days, you don't have to move up a whole lot of weight, but it still matters. And when it comes down to being a power puncher, that's why they wonder, does the power follow you to the next weight class when you're moving up? But we found out in spades in the first round, and then the way that this Fulton fought, the way he fought as we know him to be so skilled and so talented and so masterful, none of that was on display. And when he tried to, he was overwhelmed by someone who has more skill than he has. The stab jab to the body, the way he kept him offline, the right hand uh, fainting to the body, then coming back up top to the head that eventually knocked him down and ended the fight. Everything was on display here. And well, I, I, I said I got him number one, too. The difference no. is you're saying there isn't anything either fighter oh, nah. can do Saturday night. I'm <laughs> saying I have to wait and see. Okay. So. See, now, if, if Errol Spence and Bud get together and either one of those guys just come with the, the clip that just knocks someone out in the first round, you know what? That's a clip that knocks someone out in the first round. Impressive, but not overly impressive because you know that can happen in boxing. If it's a, if it's a battle of attrition, throughout the entire 12 rounds and someone gets knocked out in the 12th round, you know, it leaves, you know, it's exciting, but I'm saying the whole body of work, because if Errol Spence is the winner, you know what? You're supposed to beat that 130 pounder. And if Bud is the winner, as he's the favorite to be the winner, well, you know, well, he's skilled and he's supposed to do that as well because he has that skill set. Remember, Errol's the one who's allegedly the statue in this fight where Bud is the one who knows all of these different levels who has a diversity in his fight game, turning orthodox, going softball. He goes up and down. He moves all these different angles. He does all of those things. You know what I mean? I just think Inoue, just seeing him today, and it's not my first time seeing him. But this Recency is the most bias. Recency bias. Huh? <laughs> Recency bias. You know what? I don't even know. We, we got to do a show Sunday mornings I, to you know, see what happens. <laughs> it was such a dominant performance. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. I, I picked him to beat Fulton. But I wasn't expecting the absolute dominance. I thought, you know what, he'll knock him out in the 10th round. He got him in the 8th round, but the way he did it leading up to it, where he got Fulton and Masterful Boxing in a position to where he seemed like he didn't want to fight anymore. He didn't want to count it. He didn't want to be there. And he was feeling every shot. I just hope the same thing or what happened to Chocolatito doesn't happen to Inouye because Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people were saying the same things about him. I remember he that. He went up one, one weight class too many, and he just wasn't the same. And, you know, and another thing about Inoue, I never heard of any contract issues with him. He moves on to the next guy if that's the challenge in front of him. You know what I mean? If you're mandatory, he gets you. After this fight, he apologized to Fulton for getting injured when he hurt his knuckle. They postponed it from May. I mean, this is the humble nature, maybe even a cultural thing coming from Japan, but this is the kind of guy we have. He's on to the next. He has this honor, I guess, that a lot of Japanese people, culturized, are known for, and, you know, it's on to the next. Contracts really don't matter. Be fair about it. <laughs> Until the bell matter. rings. Well, Until the, the bell, bell rings. Bell ring. Exactly. <laughs> then he's putting that 
putting it on you like he just did. But wow, I mean, obviously that had to be mentioned along with us finally going to talk about this is fight week. Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, we're going to get on top of that. tomorrow, and Wednesday Thursday, and Thursday, live shows. A panelist of knowledgeable boxing fans, not fanboys. Let's hope they don't turn out to be fanboys, but boxing fans who know <clears> boxing. <throat> and we're going to have a constructive conversation with them. You all, if you get this soon enough, can join the conversation. You can agree. You can disagree. You can pick your guy. You can pick our guy or whoever we decide we're picking. <laughs> you know, we just want the conversation to move because this is fight week, a huge fight. And I think it would definitely be a treat for anyone who's a huge fight fan. Or even if you're one of the sidelines or a fence fan of boxing, this is one of those fights where the mainstream person will get some benefit out of it as well. And I got confirmation from a special guest a little while ago. So I'm looking forward to that. Two days. Two days. You know how this show goes. If you've watched the previous 30 episodes like you should have. You would know that we talk about a multitude of sports, even in this episode right here. But when there's a fight this huge, you got to delve into it. We have Wednesday and Thursday a live stream talking about the boxing match. Errol Spence, Bud Crawford coming up on the 29th of July in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be talking about it, giving you every detail. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you join us if that's what you want to do. So now that takes us off of boxing for right now, and we can get down to a little bit of sports that's been happening on the day. And one of the more, one of the more important, I guess, bigger news of the day happens to be LeBron James's son, Bronny James, goes into cardiac arrest at 18 years old in a practice at USC's facility. Insane! How does an 18-year-old athlete, who are some of the best athletes on the planet, even as kids? because he's going to have a trajectory to being an even better athlete. Why has it been like this of late? All of these young athletic types are just having these episodes, and it's not looking good for anyone in the medical field, that is. Yeah, it, it's crazy. 18 years old. Um, obviously, we don't have details as to what caused it, but it's a very scary situation. Basketball takes a backseat to his health. Absolutely. Uh, prayers to, to the James family, prayers for Bronny. Um, just get better, kid. Uh, hope, can't can't worry about basketball right now. You just got to worry about getting better, getting your health, getting checked out, find out what caused it, getting it corrected if possible. And, you know, I mean, I hate to say this, if he can't play basketball ever again, Somebody's going to give him a job somewhere, you know, oh, his I'm dad. Going. You know who his That's dad is. So, you know, you would like to see only the best for anyone who has the ability, even people who don't have the ability and choose to do something that's not sports related. You would like to see people just give the best of themselves. And with Bronny James, we've watched him for so long, you know, from as a little kid because he's in the shadow of his father and he will always be in the shadow of his father. We've pretty much seen a lot of his every step of the way through AAU, through much, high school, yeah. even to making his decision to go to USC when he had these other options. He was a four-star player. So that's out of five stars. So they didn't think he was the greatest, but they thought he was good enough to be a serviceable, a very good college basketball player. He ends up going to USC. And he's always come across as a good kid. I've never heard really any bad stories about what happened you know, with him doing anything. He's right. always try to be an upstanding guy, you know, regardless of what's being said about his father, regardless of people over-criticizing him for the smallest thing because of his father. 
know, he's always come across as that good kid. He was at the McDonald's All-American game. I don't believe he was even a starter. He wasn't complaining about it, but he did come out. He shined a little bit, hit those three-pointers, was in the slam dunk contest. You know, just just a good, solid kid. I mean, but, you know, no one has any answer to this. You can only be kind of anecdotal because there may have been instances like, you know, Sharif O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal's son, he didn't have a cardiac arrest, but he did have a heart problem. So that's just as bad when you're an athlete and you're overexerting yourself or asked to overexert yourself. And he had his issues, and but he's back, you know, ended up going to college after all and got himself into the NBA, you know, a little contract there because of his father's name. Yeah, but, you know, and then, but it leads me to believe, think about other players, not necessarily cardiac arrest, but other issues that happen. Hank Gathers, you and I could talk about Hank Gathers, about how his heart, you know, Reggie a different story. Lewis. Yeah, and Reggie Lewis, exactly. Their heart issues and, you know, and knowing the differences, if you can put it in layman's terms, between cardiac arrest and a heart attack. You know, cardiac arrest is one of those things you can, you know, it's, it has to do with the, with the electric flow of your, your, uh, your heart and that keeps your heart beating. Whereas a heart attack, you can probably see the telltale signs and know that going through your usual physical blockage, the, the calcification, and the, you know, the blockage in your heart and all that type of stuff. You can get hints. You know what I mean? You might need to do this. You might need to do that. You know, but cardi uh, uh, cardiac arrest can just happen at any moment. And it did right here. There were, there were no telltale signs. You know, DeMar uh, Hamlin, same deal. He just got hit at the wrong time, like a lottery. <clears throat> and he was affected because of that. It knocked his rhythm off. And he almost died because of it. But yeah, this yeah, is... Respect to the USC medical staff, you know, oh, for... Absolutely. For handling it correctly and getting him to the hospital and... Uh, it was good to hear that he was no longer in ICU and he yeah. was stable. So that's good news. Keep getting better, Brownie. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and the best thing about it, you know, I think it's probably even a, a better thing that he was in a large metropolitan area with a hospital in Los Angeles that could help you ASAP. You know, the more, not to say that a smaller hospital couldn't do it, but you know what? I prefer the bigger metropolitan hospital that's, that's used to taking point. care of those huge issues. Rather than some farm right outside the little city trying to get a little IV in you, trying to pump you with irons instead of a, a defibrillator. But yeah, things look like it's on the upswing for him right now. We don't have any new information. You may not have as well, but it's something I think that needed mention. And um, hey, you know, Bronny James seems to have escaped one so far, and that's a good deal. Basketball is not even an issue. I'm not even worried about whether he's playing this year. I don't care whether he plays ever again. I think right. he'll be happy just as well if he couldn't. Right. I agree with that. And so, you know, and that's basketball for you. And that's part of the sports <laughs> show that we have right Do now. Do you want me to say more? I, I'm pretty much – I don't know what else I can say. You know, wish him well. The, oh, yeah. The staff then, did, did their job. You know, kudos to them. Yeah. So. USC absolutely killed it. I mean, they absolutely killed it with their medical staff. It could have been a lot worse. We've seen incompetent or at least have heard of incompetent meds in the past and things didn't work out, you know, for the, the victim. But in this case, it did. And it just happens to be a prominent individual who had gone through it. And the best moving forward for Bronny James and his entire family, because, you know, it does affect the entire family. Basketball be damned. And so that gives us a chance now to move on to what we've been talking about. You know, even earlier this week, which was yesterday, or even last week, mm -hmm. football. The Same NFL time. is here. So we're going to talk a lot more about that as we're moving along throughout the entire season. 
the NFL. The king of kings, Saquon Barkley, he stood up tall. And he said, you know what? I give up. So now he has a contract <laughs> and he's going to play. He's not sitting out. Not for $11 so, million. Dollars. That's just 900000 and change. Well, more than his franchise number. Well, here's the thing about that. Uh, the base salary is $10.1 million. The 900000 is in incentives. Yeah. If he doesn't get those incentives, he gets $10.1 million. Um, The key is, uh, if they franchise tag him again next year, then he'll be eligible to get that much more because he earned 11. But he's got to earn that 11. You know, I, I don't even think they would do that next year. I think that he, if it came down to that, he probably would hold out and he would have every right to hold out. <laughs> At least especially this year, if he just, if he goes out there this it, year. It's not 2030 next year, though. <laughs> yeah, it is a 2030, but he can go out there and show some other team. He'll be doing this for another team because even right now, they could probably still trade him if they want it. You know what I mean? So they could probably get him under contract, like in the NBA, for the purpose of eventually trading him if the opportunity is there. I mean, how much does he really add to the team? He does. We mentioned the numbers yesterday catching out of the backfield, the consistency running when he's healthy. He's missed 22 games and he's been getting hurt a little bit more as of late because of his running style and because of little nagging injuries. But, you know, like you've well, mentioned, he's, he pretty much got his franchise number of $10.19 and now you're just going to get $11 million, which is just a little over 900000 more in incentives. So it's, it's we, much ado about talk about a short shelf life, and uh, maybe does he kind of load manage himself? If he if he has 14 carries halfway through the fourth quarter, hey, my knees bothering me, coach. Uh, hey, I can't go today. But then on Wednesday, he's feeling great. He's ready to play again the next Sunday. Is, you know, you know what I'm saying? Is he gonna put in full effort? He only has that one year contract. That's true. We talk about shelf short, uh, short shelf life for running backs, and running backs pretty much just getting put out to pasture after they give everything they got. Who could fault him for not giving everything he has? Well, for $10 million, I guess you might want to give everything you have with the possibility of getting $11 million. No one's going to be in a soup kitchen anytime soon with that kind of a salary. <laughs> I understand. I said it yesterday, but and it is. Well, this but is if he can extend that. his career two or three more years, that's more money he'll get. And, and you know what? And if you dogged it, I think NFL. I'm not saying NFL, dog it, but, but he's back a little, huh? Hold him back. Yo, bro. I'm saying hit the brakes. Just take the foot off the gas a little bit. If you're giving anything less than 100% when you're getting I mean, paid. But, we're, but you, mentioned, you mentioned all the time he was this before he started getting injured. He, he, has, to avoid, he has to avoid injury. Well, and, and you know so what? Don't run avoid the ball injury. 20, 25 times in the morning. Avoid Camp injury in natural circumstances. Natural circumstances means you got injured because you were doing 100%. Like in most football games or football teams. You know, it's the guy that's not going full speed is usually the one that gets I'm hurt. not saying to not go full speed. I'm saying to cap the carries, the touches. That's you what know, I'm saying. Cap it himself or have the coach cap it for him? <laughs> tell, hey, coach, my hamstring. I can't go. What's right. the coach can't put him in the game? I mean, he can, but he, he won't go in. My hamstring hurts, man. Let's hope that if that's an issue, it is a real <laughs> issue, not an imagined issue. Because I all just got messed with you because you're, you're dogging it. I mean, New York guy. 
it'll be so obvious if something <laughs> like that were to happen. And your teammates understand that kind of thing. And the Giants, which is kind of a fringe playoff team, if they can get anything close to the playoffs and they see someone dogging it, they're going to recognize it. And then that locker room is going to become pretty tenuous and toxic if someone identifies it. They're like, yo, bro, we know you're in that one-year contract. And I understand that players understand the business part of, you know, we don't worry about other people's pockets. But when you worry about the entire team's success, it, if you're looking for it, works, it works in the NBA. Harden got his trade. Kyrie got his trade. I mean, well, problem is Harden's trying to get another trade. But Well, well, uh, well, Barkley, I think the opportunity is there for him to get traded and still make some money. But the running back position isn't going to get any better while he's still active if the next collective bargaining agreement is coming up in 2030. But let's talk about someone who may get a whole lot of money and who may just deserve that money, and that that's Nick Boza from the 49ers. I mean, he's looking for a new contract. Right now, he's scheduled to make $17.8 million, but he isn't showing up to camp. He wants more than even the franchise numbers, so he may be the highest-paid pass rusher in all the NFL if he gets his wish, and he would probably deserve it. I mean, the franchise tag for um, defensive ends is $19 million, $7.27 million. That's a lot of doggone money, but it also lets you know how important these pass rushes are trying to get after that quarterback, the quarterback who is the most expensive guy in the NFL. These aren't running back problems we have in here when it comes down to the dollars and cents. But with Nick Bolter, who's had injuries of his own, Still a dominant force when he's healthy. Still making the needle move, especially defensively, when he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, defensive player of the year, reigning defensive player of the year, that is. You know, and my, so was, we'll, we'll see how much the 49ers value him. Oh, they will. They will. John Lynch exactly, is not. Exactly. That's where, that's where <laughs> I'm going with this. Um, I'm pretty sure he, he'll, he'll get. Maybe not what he asked for, but he'll get a nice extension, a nice pay raise. You know um, what? I think he's done enough for that organization, and he's young enough to where they will give him what he wants. You know what I mean? He means that much to that team. Now, we're talking about someone who literally moves the needle, the defending defensive player of the year. He was the rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, not too long ago. So this guy has been absolutely dominant, just killing it in the NFL. He's probably going to hit his prime right now. So if they're going to get it while it's hot, you get it while it's hot because, um, right. you know, give him what he wants now because the way these numbers are moving up, I mean, they're going to be a lot higher two years from now than they are right now. So get him what he wants. You know what I mean? I'm not even talking about being reasonable. Get what he's <laughs> done to him so he stays with that team long term because it looks like San Francisco has something working here, and that leads us to their quarterback situation. With Purdy – Purdy, he's back, looking pretty good. They cleared him. He looks <laughs> pretty good. They cleared him to play, no restrictions. He's out there, so Brock is going to be playing. And his his Cinderella story last year turned into this opportunity to now he and Trey Lance. What's going to happen there? Have to wait till camp. I'm mean, they're going to fight for it, right? But they um, should fight for it. You know, would... I would think based on what Purdy had done during the playoffs, we already know why he would, he didn't play well. He was injured, and he was still trying to prove to his teammates he deserved to be out there. And he got a lot of respect from his teammates and fans because of it. Trey Lance was this new card that they wanted to have out there in the football field. And we know how these new-age quarterbacks are, the new Lamborghini. You have one in Chicago that runs the ball, throws the ball. He's a Lamborghini. The guy can run. 
all he needs to do is be more consistent passing the ball. He may be something special. Well, this is what Trey Lance is allegedly supposed to be. That's the trajectory. That's the expectation. But Brock Purdy is doing everything he was supposed to have done in spades. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting training camp for the, for the 49ers. Uh, that's probably going to be a hell of a quarterback battle. And we just have to wait and see how it shakes out. Well, a lot of football somebody may be demanding the trade by by uh, week one, or even prior to that. Who knows? You already know how it goes because Trey Lance, I believe, is going to think that not that I don't believe he thinks he's he's going to be handed the job, but I think every little thing he does thinks go he thinks goes directly towards him getting the job, even if it's a little bad thing. I think it's Purdy's job to lose. It should be because of what he had done last year. He's further ahead right now. You know, do you know his ceiling? I mean, obviously they didn't know his ceiling when they drafted him because they wouldn't have drafted him that late if they did. But, you know, um, Purdy did what he did in game time with pressure on him. Playoff scenario, the injury is the only reason why we don't know anything about how well he could have done if he was 100%. You know, Trey Lance, we don't know anything. We know a nice smile. We know that he has a strong arm. But your arm could be strong throwing it to the wrong person too. <laughs> you know, the pass could pop on the defensive back when he's taking it for a pick six. You know? you know what what would be really interesting is if Jimmy G takes the Raiders to another level. <laughs> Man, we've been waiting around for quarterbacks to take the Raiders to another level. Since no, but I'm saying Bennett. coming from, from San Francisco. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Yo, Jerry Rice went there to, to the Raiders when they were in Oakland. You know, he went to the Raiders coming from San Francisco. So, you you know, it was that vindictive thing. It would be nice and a nice storyline to do it, but the Raiders – have so many issues of their own, including Josh Jacobs still not getting his contract. That's what I'm saying. If yeah. Jimmy G leads them to a, a 10 to 7 or 11 6 record, that, that's going to be saying something. Well, it's going to be saying G. something for the Raiders because they aren't that good. <laughs> Jimmy G, because they had David Carr all these years, and other than the one playoff run, uh, they didn't get much done. Nope. They hadn't got anything done. But, you know, I don't even know. I say David. Car. I mean Derek. Derek Carr. You know, I've done it before with David <laughs> and Derek. I mean, David Carr, if he was not murdered <laughs> down in Houston, he probably would have been a very good quarterback. But his first year in Houston, man, it was like the offensive line was a turnstile, and he was just getting murdered Sunday after Sunday to where he was gun shy. He just couldn't read the NFL defense because he was a, a deer in headlights every Sunday after that. And so he never lived up to expectation. But – you know, Derek Carr has been a solid quarterback. And in the NFL these days, you know, there have been championships won by solid or even less quarterbacks. So, you know, if you have your defense together, but the Raiders don't have their defense or their offense together. So, <laughs> But if he can go in there, Garoppolo can go in there and do some things, hey, it, it will be an interesting storyline because it's always nice, I guess, when certain teams are in the mix and the Raiders is one of those teams, whether L.A., Oakland, or now Las Vegas, it's always a nice deal to see the Raiders doing well. The NFL is a better place when there's always some Raiders to ridicule. <laughs> yeah, it always is. I was with you till you got to that. <laughs> but you know what? We'll see. The NFL is wide open now, so you will be hearing a lot more about the NFL as we continue to have these shows and also college football. You know, if you want to check out one of the conversations I had with the most venerable Brent Beard with SEC Football. I did an interview with him earlier, which was about a half hour. So you can check the list of videos and you'll find that. We talked about the SEC, what to expect. And he probably proved more than anything 
why he is an expert college football analyst. And by the way, a Heisman Trophy voter. That's one thing I don't talk about as much. Brent Beard is a Heisman Trophy voter and has been one for years. And I don't take the liberty of asking him who his vote is. I always wait for him to make the vote. The numbers come out, then he'll tell me. But nevertheless, if you want to check it out, you can go ahead and do that. And along with SEC. Did football, he vote for Tommy Frazier or did he yeah. not have a vote back then? <laughs> you know, he just had a vote for a long time. Oh, you need him. to ask him that. You need to, to ask, ask him that. You know, and you know, and you know, come on now. Brent is one of the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. But this guy's also a bit of a homer. He's a Bama guy. He graduated from Bama. He's met Bear Bryant when he was at Bama. So he's been here for a while. But um you know, I want to know if he voted for Eddie George or Tommy Frazier. You know what? Knowing him, if if I know Brent the way I do, it would have been Tommy Frazier because the Big Ten is a big nemesis of the SEC. If all else fails, go with the team that's not really doesn't really have much to do with you. But it was Tommy Frazier who beat up on the Gators, so I just don't know. I'll ask him. <laughs> but speaking of the Big Ten, hey, just right, nice little transition there. The Big Ten, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. We're talking about Oscar doing some lying. Hey, Jim Harbaugh said, <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> Check this out. I got some lies to tell you about some things that might have happened during COVID, during the dead period, where coaches aren't supposed to talk to players. And I did it anyway, but I'm not going to tell you again. Yeah, a lot of times it's not the, the violation, it's the lying. Yeah. So you didn't do the violation that gets you in trouble. And now he's looking at possibly a four-game suspension. Uh, that's going to throw a monkey wrench in, in their plans early this season. Yep, and there are a couple of other coaches that may be held accountable as well. And, um, you know, they have a, a very good team coming back. Obviously, that goes without saying. I mean, they were close to going to the national championship game this past season. But it does matter a bit when your coach is out. But in the early going, it really doesn't. The first four games, that's when you're trying to get all of your redshirt freshmen or your people who don't have that much experience. You're getting them their experience so they'll be in game time situations. So when conference games come about, they at least have experience and ready to roll. You know what I mean? Or the veterans can really get the you know the, the oil running and running like a machine by then. So I don't, you know, those those little frivolous first four games don't mean anything. Unless you're somebody like LSU who has to play Florida State in the first game, or you have these other, you know, kickoff games they have with top teams that are playing, you know, but a team like Michigan, obviously a major team, but they're not playing anyone significant for the first four games. I think the only real name that I saw on the list of Rutgers. the first four games was Rutgers. And the reason why I even say that is because, and it's a home game, by the way, because of Greg Schiano knows how to recruit like crazy, and those guys overachieve over there. You might have another Appalachian State upset happening in Ann Arbor. Not likely, but I, that's the only threat I can see over the four games that they're about to have. Oh, where'd you go? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 hope, I hope they lose all four games. Yeah. Screw them. <laughs> well, hey, you're a Nebraska fan. They're in the Big Ten now, so I'm sure you could hope it, anything comes easier. If they can lose before they get to you and get beaten up before they get to you so you can finish the job, I can understand that. But on that note, hey, let's shut the door on the 31st episode of the Sports Bag Bros podcast. I'm Trav. He's biased. And um, is he really biased? Oh, not really. I mean, good. <laughs> Going by the way that things went today, we didn't agree on a lot of things in terms of uh, what the new way fight and the pound for pound champ. So no, 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 we just didn't agree that it's open and shut. I'm saying let's wait till Saturday night. You're saying nothing can happen. 
I can't say that because I don't know what will happen. Yeah, have to wait and see. Well, go, I just you know I was just stick by going. We'll, by we'll ask our panel tomorrow how they feel about it. How about exactly. that? You know what? We'll do just that tomorrow. <laughs> I know, and I know that the hype of the fight is going to make them say more than they should say, but I'm not <laughs> going to say anything. The hype of the fight because this is the thing in front of them. They want it to be a barn burner, and it should be a barn burner. All indications are it should be a barn a barn burner between those two. But a new way is just that damn phenomenal, man. This is a generational talent. I mean, seriously. You know, another Manny Pacquiao, maybe even better. I mean, he has a, but he has the same body that he had when he was in the lighter ways that he has right now. So we're not questioning whether he was on juice or not. Another story, another day. I'll try if he's biased. We'll check you out on juice. episode 32. Make sure you join us on the live stream tomorrow, especially if you're a boxing fan. If you're Don't on the be bashful. Put your comments in there so we can reply. Yeah, exactly. Put your comments in there because we will be talking about everything Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, Two days in a row, Wednesday and Thursday, fight night on the 29th in Las Vegas. We hope to see you tomorrow. Make sure you show up. Peace. Peace.